Frontier Gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentlemen. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful. Now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this Marshal Dillon helped the boy and bring his father back safe and sound. Find out when you listen to this gun smoke from January 18th, 1953, and the episode is entitled Wild West. And I'll be back with the introduction for Frontier Gentlemen. He sat behind his desk, powerful, square-jawed, steely-eyed, the picture of an iron-nerved man of the law. At a smaller desk, his discreet deputy was filling out some papers. Harper looked up as we came in, nodded briskly. Evening, gents. Sit down, sit down. Go ahead and fetch another chair. Yes, sir, Mr. Harper. You caught those fellas, huh? We trailed them, all right. Make yourself come. Uh, thank you. I gather that you didn't catch them? Well, like I say, we know where they are, just a matter of time. My deputy here, Clem, he's making out the report right now. I better get back to it, Clem. Yes, sir, Mr. Harper. Now, uh, you uh, want to give me a list of what was stolen? Not much of a list, Sheriff. Just ten sacks of gold dust, about $5,000. You get that, Clem? I sure did, sir. And uh, you, uh, Kendall's the name, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Uh, $20 in my wallet. Uh, Kendall, Kendall. Uh, say... Aren't you that English newspaper fellow I heard about back in Cheyenne? I'm an English newspaper man, yes. Well, I'm proud, mighty proud. While traveling to Laramie on the stage, J.B. Kendall and others on the stage get robbed. 
the robbers were interrupted when a bunch of riders come along and scared them away, but they still got away with some of their stuff, and luckily nobody was killed, and it turns out to be a sheriff and his deputy and a bunch of other riders. Fortunately enough, the interruption, which allowed the stage to continue on to Laramie, and by the time they get there, after having dinner, J.B. Kendall and another passenger stop over at the sheriff's office. The sheriff and his deputy are making out reports. The sheriff is a very impressive individual, but our looks deceiving. Find out when you listen to this Frontier Gentleman from July 20th, 1958. And enjoy this and Gunsmoke. And I'll be back next week. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Smoke, starring William Conrad, the transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. I'd been up north for a few days. On the way back, I camped on the Pawnee River about 30 miles from Dodge, planning to ride on the next morning. During the night, however, my horse twisted his knee somehow, and it was going to be slower traveling than I'd figured. So I started out before dawn. It was just breaking day when I heard a rifle shot up ahead. A half hour later, I spotted a fallen horse and the figure of a man crouched by its head. As I came closer, however, the figure stood up, and I saw it wasn't a man at all, but a small boy. He held a rifle in his hand. Mister. I'm a friend, son. Put down your rifle. Hey, you sound like... Yeah, it's Marshal Dillon. That's right. Who are you? Oh, gee, I'm glad to see you, Marshal. Now, you look familiar. We must have met somewhere. I'm Yorkie Kelly. Oh, sure, I remember now. That camp on the Arkansas. That's right. Oh, what happened to your horse, Yorkie? Busted his leg. I shot him just a little while ago. And I've been crying, Marshal. That's why I couldn't see you good. Well, now, every man loses his horse once in a while, Yorkie. It ain't the horse so much, Marshal. It's my pa. Your pa? Oh, where's he? They rode off with him, Marshal. Right that way. You gotta go after him. Please, Marshal, please. Something will happen if you don't. Now, wait a minute, Yorkie. Take it easy. Just tell me what happened. Who rode off with your paw? I don't know, Marshal. It was dark. I couldn't tell. Well, let's sit down here. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Now, take your time and tell me the whole story, huh? I was out hunting last night, Marshal. 
I sneaked off to shoot some coyotes. Yeah. And then I heard a lot of horses coming. So I hid and watched them. Those were our horses, Marshal. And two men were driving them. They stole them. I know they did. Well, what about your pa? He was with them. They stole him, too. Well, how do you know? It was dark, but I could tell. The way he was riding. He had his feet tied under his horse's belly. That's why. Go on. Well, I followed him till my horse went down. He busted his leg in a prairie dog hole. So I unsaddled him, and and then I shot him. Uh, uh, Where do you live, Yorkie? Over there, about five miles. All right. My horse is lame, but I'll get you home on him. Go get your saddle. Well, what about my pa? Ain't you going to go after him? I'll find him, but i got to have a fresh horse. All right, hand me your saddle. Now get up behind me. That's it. You think there are any horses left at your ranch, Yorkie? We only had six, and they were driving five. Paul was on the other one. We're in a spot, then. My horse will never make Dodge. He's getting worse every step. I got a little Indian pony out in the pasture. Oh, but he's not big enough for you. Then you'll have to do it, Yorkie. When we get there, you'll catch your pony and you'll ride into Dodge. What'll I do there, Marshal? Go to the jail and tell Chester I sent you. You can leave your pony there and ride back with him. Tell him to bring some extra horses. We'll need them. We'll be just like a posse, won't we? (laughs) Sure. And don't worry about your paw. We'll find him. We've got to. You tell Hattie where I've gone, will you, Marshal? Hattie? Hattie ain't my real ma. My real ma, she's dead. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Hattie's awful pretty, but I don't like her much. Well, I hope you don't tell her that, Yorkie. She ain't as old as Pa, but she's awful old. Oh? She must be 30 anyway. I see. Well, uh, how old's your Pa? 65, but he's tough. You know, Marshal, I don't think Hattie's any good for a ranch. Why is that? I don't know. I just don't think she is. You'll see. Yeah. I'll ride real hard for Dodge, Marshal. We'll be tracking my pa before you know it. Sure we will, Yorkie. When we got to the pasture, I helped Yorkie catch his pony and got him started for Dodge. Then I rode on into the ranch, put my horse in the corral and walked up to the house. Hattie came to the door. She was young, all right, and pretty. But she looked more like she belonged in a dance hall than on a ranch. What do you want? My name's Matt Dillon, ma'am. I'm from Dodge, U.S. Marshal. Marshal Dillon? I heard about Mr. Kelly from Yorkie. I ran into him out on the prairie. Where is Yorkie? Oh, he's gone to Dodge for some fresh horses, ma'am. He'll be back by evening, and then we'll get started. Get started? Now, don't you worry any. We'll find him, all right. What did uh, Yorkie tell you, Marshal? Last night he saw the men who stole your horses and took Mr. Kelly. Where did he see him? He was out hunting, he told me, and he saw him ride by. So that's where he was. Darn little scoundrel. He's always running off like that. I don't understand, (laughs) ma'am. That that boy's got the wildest imagination. What do you mean? There's no trouble, Marshal. Kelly went along with those men just to show him the trail, that's all. He sold him those horses. 
Oh? Well, sure. Crazy Yorkie, always stirring things up. I'm going to hide him good when he gets home. Yeah. Then you expect Mr. Kelly back soon, is that right? Sure. He'll be back. When, did he say? Today, I suppose. Who were the men he rode off with? Well, I don't know their names. That's Kelly's business. I don't interfere. Come on inside, Marshal. I've got a pot of coffee on the stove. I expect you could use some. We had coffee, and she insisted that I call her Hattie, and we talked for quite a while. It seemed she'd worked in a dance hall, all right, over in Abilene. Then old Kelly came along a few months ago and offered her a home and respectability. And she jumped at it. According to her, Yorkie was the biggest problem she had, aside from the fact that living on the prairie wasn't exactly her idea of a good time. Oh, I'm sick of it, Marshal. Nothing but work and wind and dust and that awful kid. Are you plan to stick it out? Sure, I'll stick it out. Sure, I will. You'll get used to it in time. Tell me, Marshal, how's Dodge these days? Pretty lively? Well, it was when I left. I was planning to move to Dodge once. Before Kelly came along. I kind of wish I had. Well, now. One town's pretty much like another, Hattie. Yeah. But the men are different. Maybe. I'd have got along real fine in Dodge. Wouldn't I, Marshal? Uh, sure. Why not? More coffee? Uh, no, no. No, thanks. It'll be night before anybody gets back here, Marshal. Uh, yeah, I suppose it will. You sure you don't want any more coffee? No, thank you. <coughs> Uh, I think I'll go see what I can do for my horse. He's pretty lame. Uh, I'll see you later. I'll be here, Marshal. I spent the day out by the corral, doctoring my horse and taking it easy. It was after dark when Chester and Yorkie rode in, leading three extra horses. But I still didn't know whether we were going to need them or not. I told Chester how things stood while Yorkie was watering the animals, and then we all walked up to the house. I explained to Yorkie that we'd have to wait for morning in any case. Hattie was waiting on the porch. Well, Yorkie, you ought to be real proud of yourself this time. We're going after Pa in the morning, Hattie. Can't track him at night. At least that's what the marshal said. That's right, Yorkie. Now don't tell me you're going to make a fool of yourself, Marshal. Well, I hope not. Oh, excuse me, this is... Uh... Chester Proudfoot, Miss Kelly. How you do, ma'am? Yorkie, I could whip you. Now, boy. wait a minute, Miss Kelly. He's done no harm. Your husband isn't back yet, and if he doesn't come in tonight, maybe maybe we better go look for him. How can he come home when they got him all tied up? Stole our horses, too. That's a lie, Yorkie. Those men bought our horses, and your father just rode out to show them the trail. Why are you saying that? You know Pa wouldn't sell our horses. Don't you talk back to me. You shut up, that's all. I won't shut up. You ain't my mom. You can't... Now, Yorkie... Me. Take it easy. We'll find your paw. I promise you that. Well, okay, Marshal. But you find him. We will. Well, um, Marshal, I figured you'd all be back here, so I'd fix some supper. Well, say, now, that's mighty kind of you, ma'am. I'm awful hungry. 
The marshal also missed his dinner. Come on inside and we'll eat. Well, I'm going around back and wash, Marshal. You don't have to if you don't want to, though. Okay, Yorkie. We'll, we'll be along. Uh, Chester. Yes, sir. I don't think old Kelly's coming back tonight. We'll be riding after him in the morning. Yes, It sure is a lot cooler now the sun's down. I don't know when I rode so much in two days. Dodge yesterday and clear out here today. I must have covered a thousand miles. <laughs> well, maybe you'll learn to ride you keep this up, Yorkie. Oh, now, Marshal Dillon. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Huh? What's the matter? Now, here they are. The tracks go off this way. Yeah, they got a whole day's start on us. We can't follow them at night. We'll find them. We got to. Hey, look up ahead there. Where? Where? What's a man? And he's a foot. Yeah, come on. It's Pa! It's Pa! Hey, Pa! Pa! Pa, you all right? We found you. Me and the Marshal and Chester, we found you. Yorkie. Boy. Get him some water, Chester. He's about played out. Yes, sir. Uh, sit down, Mr. Kelly. Chester's getting you some water. Here it is. Thank you. I needed that. They didn't give me any water. Where are they, Mr. Kelly? They've gone. Camped near here all day. And they left me. So as I die out here. Looked like I got lost and starved. Uh, they had it all planned. I knew it, Pa. I saw you with them and the horses. I knew it. Have you eaten anything? No, Marshal. They didn't feed me either. Wanted me weak so as I couldn't walk far when they left me. Chester, dig out the jerky. Yes, sir. I'm old. Wouldn't have lasted very long. It was a good trick, blast them. You mean they were going to leave you out here to starve just so they could run off with your horses? No, it's more than that, Marshal. I'll have another drop of this water. One of them, fella called Webb Cutter. He's going to run off with my wife, Hattie. As soon as they sell the ranch, he is. Hattie had owned the ranch with me dead. Oh. I never get like her know-how. Here, Mr. Kelly, chew on some of this. Oh, and I got some hard biscuits, too, if you want to mm. soak them in the water. Thanks. Mm. I'll, I'll be all right once I get something in me. Pa's old, but he's awful tough. Ain't you, Pa? Yeah. You're an awful fool, too, Yorkie. Oh, that's all right, Pa. We're better off alone, you and me, anyway. Who was the other man, Mr. Kelly? Uh, Rourke, he called himself. Friend of, friend of Cutter's. He's going to get his share of the money off the sale of the ranch. Did you know these men before? No. Hattie knew them back in Abilene. So they said. They had it all figured out before we got married. 
Oh, Marshal. There's nothing worse than an old fool. Well, you aren't the first man to be fooled by a pretty woman, Mr. Kelly. I was lonely, that's all. And I thought Yorkie ought to have a mother. Sure picked a good one. Just you and me, Pa. We don't need no woman around. Well, there ain't gonna be one long. That's sure. Look, Mr. Kelly, what did they do with your horses? They gonna drive them back to the ranch? That's what they said. Only thing that bothered him was Yorkie here. They weren't sure he was asleep. Hattie said she'd take care of him. I sure fooled him. Didn't I, Marshal? Yeah, you sure did, Yorkie. But if they're headed back to the ranch, Hattie will tell them we're on their trail and they'll all run off. I gotta stop them. They got a couple of hours start on us, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, I know, but those horses they're driving will slow them a little. Um... Chester, you stay here. You can ride in tomorrow when Mr. Kelly gets his strength back. I'm going to take the horse Yorkie was riding on a fresh one. I'll go with you, Marshal. I'll fight uh, No, no, Yorkie. You've done your part. You stay here with your paw. Yeah, I'm the one that ought to go, Marshal, but I just ain't up in that kind of ride. That's all right, Mr. Kelly. You take it easy and come on back when you can. I'll see you at the ranch. Mr. Dillon, you... Uh, you wouldn't have you... an extra horse, Chester, and you'd need it. Yes, sir, that's true. Well, good luck. Thanks. We will return to the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment, but first... Every Monday night, an affable man about murder, Thomas Highland, invites you to come along on a CBS radio crime classic. Dramatizing all the known facts about actual killings of bygone days, crime connoisseur Highland recreates atmosphere as well as details in his crime classics. Remember, Monday nights on most of these same stations, CBS radio presents crime classics for an unseasonal chill in the atmosphere. Now the second act of Gunsmoke. One thing in my favor was that Cutter and Rourke weren't riding as hard as I was. They didn't know there was any special hurry. I changed mounts every few miles, but along toward the end, one of the horses began to sull, and finally I had to leave him. It was just before daybreak when I came to the ranch. And there were no lights on in the house, so I figured I'd beaten them after all. There was a room for my horse in the hay shed, and I put him in there and closed the door. Then I walked up to the house, hid behind a rain barrel near the porch, and waited. It was a half hour before they rode in. They put their horses in the corral and then came up to the house. She's awake. She's lighting a lamp back there. What's she need a lamp for? It'll be daylight in a minute. She's your woman. Why don't you ask her? She's my woman, and you remember it, Rourke. I seen you looking at her the other night. <laughs> One woman's just like another to me. They're all the same. They're all poison. For you, Hattie's poison, all right. I'm telling you, Rourke. But she's pretty. That's more than I can say for most. You forget she's pretty. Okay. There's something else about her I like. What do you... Well, I've been thinking, 
When she sells this ranch, she gets a third, you get a third, I get a third. That's right. But whoever gets Hattie sort of gets two-thirds, don't it? You try that, Rourke, and I'll kill you. <laughs> I'm just joshing you. You really going to marry her, Cutter? I told her I was, didn't I? I didn't ask you what you told her. Shut up. Here she comes. Hello, Webb. Rock. What are you all locked up for? Oh, man, Kelly ain't going to come sneaking home. <laughs> come on inside. Hurry up. What's haven't got much time. What's the matter with you, Hattie? You're all upset. You'll be all upset, too, when you hear what I've got to say. that bratty kid like I told you. He sneaked off to go hunting. He wasn't even here. So how could I help him? And he ran smack into the marshal. Now we've really got our heads in a noose. Suppose the old man's dead when they find him. Well, if he's dead, he can't talk, can he? Oh, it's worse if he's alive. Blast you, Hattie. Can't you do anything right? You're blaming me? Who would I blame? I didn't put that marshal on our trail. Uh, it don't matter now who did. What are we going to do? We're going to have to get out of here fast. I'm all ready to go just as soon as I get a riding skirt on. Wait. You ain't going nowhere. What? You heard me. We can't be dragging a woman around. You'd wear out in no time. Now you're making sense, Cutter. We'd never get away with her holding us back. You're going to leave me here, are you? You're going to let me face those people? You know I'll go to jail, don't you? Oh, they won't do nothing to you. Tell them you got misled or something. They always go easy on women. You're going to run out on me. Oh, now, Hattie, you'd be better off here. They'll let you go and you can get on back to Abilene. I'll come by as soon as they forget about all this. Oh, come on, Cutter. We're wasting time. They could be here any minute now. You cowards. You dirty, rotten cowards. Now, Hattie. Who is your mother, That's mister? That's enough, Hattie. I hate you. Go on, get out, both of you. I wouldn't have either one of you. Either one of us? <laughs> you didn't think I cared, did you? I'd have made one of you shoot the other before I was through. Pies don't cut three ways, mister. <laughs> now we all know, Cutter. What'd I tell you? Boy, there. That'll hold you. Come on, Rock. Let's go. Dirty dog! Ah, oh, forget it, Hattie. Maybe I'll get to Abilene sometime. So long. I'll fix you. I should have known about you. You gonna talk all day? Come on. All right, get your hands up, both of you. Get them up in the air. And don't try anything. Hello, Marshal. You touch that gun and I'll kill you. Well, while you're killing him, what do you think I'll be doing, Marshal? Don't try it. Either of you. Hanging's bad, Marshal. I ain't going to hang. You don't have to hang. Kelly isn't dead. We found him in time. I don't believe you, Marshal. I think you've been here quite a long. You ain't even seen Kelly. Yeah. You just want to see us hang. And I'm telling you the truth. Oh, no. Lawmen don't tell the truth. Not to fellas like us, anyway. Do they, Roy? No. I don't believe they do. Well, he can't kill us both, Roy. We'll draw at the same time. I'm telling you, don't try it. Why not, Marshal? Let's kill him, Cutter. No. We killed him. We killed them both. Now, give me the gun, Hattie. 
I said, give it to me. Take it. You shot Cutter, Hattie. Why did you do it? I don't know, Marshal. Did you do it to help me? Or because he was running out on you? He's dead. What difference does it make? It could be murder, Hattie. You'll have to decide that, Marshal. Yeah. Cutter might have killed me. He might have. Well? Go back in the house. You can wait in there. Now they're both dead. Do you care? No. No, I don't care. What's going to happen to me, Marshal? I don't know. I think I'll let Mr. Kelly decide that. Where is he? He'll be here tonight, probably. He's with Yorkie and Chester. Marshal. Will I go to jail? I don't know, Hattie. Depends on Kelly. He's a nice old man. He wouldn't hurt anybody. I'm sorry I got into all this. I wish I hadn't. Marshal Dillon? Yeah? I just had a long talk with Hattie, Marshal. Well? She tried to kill me, you know. She had a hand in it. She'll go to jail for it if you prosecute her. I know. But, Marshal, I can't send anyone to jail. Not a woman. If she was a man, I'd shoot her, but... What do you want to do, Mr. Kelly? Well, I'll get her things and drive her to town, Marshal. I'll give her some money. And then Yorkie and I will come back here. Yorkie will just have to grow up without a mother. And about me, eh, it don't matter none. All right, Mr. Kelly... I guess I wouldn't want to see her in jail either. We need women out here. Good or bad. We need them. under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Michael Ann Barrett, John McGovern, Joseph Kearns, John Daner, and Nestor Piva. Harley Bear is Chester. Gunsmoke has been selected by the Armed Forces Radio Service to be heard by our troops overseas. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, 
fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. This Monday night, Herbert Marshall has the leading role in a story adapted from Daphne du Maurier's collection called Kiss Me Again, Stranger. It's the eerie story of the birds describing strange happenings on an otherwise quiet English countryside. Here at this Monday night on most of these same stations when CBS Radio presents the Summer Theater. Yes, this Monday night, starring Herbert Marshall. And remember, there's action as a policeman really finds it in 21st Precinct, Tuesdays on the CBS Radio Network. I met a square-jawed sheriff named Will Harper and his slack-jawed deputy named Clem. Um, I also lost $20. Frontier Gentlemen. Here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. <laughs> taken the stagecoach from Dry Creek and was on my way back to Cheyenne. Beside myself, there were two other passengers. One, a gaunt, stern-faced man in Barnaby, who spent most of his waking hours reading from the Bible. The other, Thad Clark, a miner who, having made a modest fortune, was on his way to his home in Illinois. It was late afternoon, the stage lurching along the well-worn road a few miles to the west of Laramie. Uh, I tell you, fellas, I'm going to order me a, do a dozen fresh eggs and all the fancy fluff duffs they got in the best eating place in Laramie. A man should not be a slave to his stomach. Well, that ain't exactly I'm a slave, Mr. Barnaby. But I, I sure won't mind pampering it for a while. If you'd eaten as much jerky and drunk as much brown gargle as I have, you'd go along with me. I'd go along, Mr. Clark. Once, you know, once for two months... I had to live on nothing but dried fish and rice. It was in India. A heathen land. Uh, you know, I got a hankering to do some traveling. 
Might be I'll take a trip out there, China, India. I got me enough gold dust in that little box to do a lot of things like that. The love of money is the root of all evil. Well, if it is, I'm sure going to find out when we hit last. What is it? What's the matter? The riders blocking the road. Now don't get scared, folks. Just a hold up. Hold up? If you got guns, keep them where they are. There's too many of them to put up a fight. My gold. Listen, I worked three years for that. Let's shoot it out. What do you say, Kendall? You got a gun. Look out the window. Five, six of them. Odds are against us, I'm afraid. They were on horseback, their faces completely masked, cradling rifles and shotguns in their arms. Two of them remained in front of the coach. Three more took up positions to either side and behind. The sixth man, who appeared to be the leader, called to us to get out. Our driver nonchalantly climbed down from his seat and began to roll a cigarette. The miner, Clark, stood next to me, right hand clenched, hovering over his gun butt. You, mister. And you. Do you mean me? No. No, the tall fella, another one. Unbuckle your gun belts and drop them. No need for anyone to get hurt. I'm a poor man. I have no worldly goods. Sorry to hear that, brother. You a preacher? No. That's too bad. I never rob a sky pilot. Just empty out your pockets, all of you. Driver? Yeah. What you carrying? Nothing much. Well, we'll take a look, see. Jed, Frank, keep him covered. CD, you help me search him. All right. Driver, climb up there and throw down the boxes. Sure. All right, James. Nice and quiet. Let's tell your kids all about it. Kind of a puny wallet. Don't take that. It's all I have. Thirty, forty, fifty dollars. Well, now you ain't got any worldly goods for sure, Frank. What about him, CD? Two dollars is all. You take a look in the coach. Uh-huh. Driver, climb down. Open up them boxes. Sure. All right, now you, mister. Here. You won't find much. It's a right handsome-looking watch you got there. I like it. Take it off. No. (laughs) Come on, now, take it off. It has a great sentimental value to me. It can't be worth more than a few dollars to you. It all adds up, mister. Take it off. No. (laughs) You figure it's worth your life? In a way. Hey! Hey, look ahead while I found! Who belongs to this? It's mine. Guess ain't no use asking you to leave it be. That's a fact. It sure breaks my heart the way you river snipers have to sweat to get that much dust. Give him back a sack of it, C.D., and see what's in the mother boxes. Here you are, partner. Enough for grubs. Now, about that watch. Is it worth killing me for it? (laughs) Mister, that's a plumb low-code question. I plugged a fellow once over a chaw tobacco. What's your name? Kendall. I like to meet a man with guts. All right, you keep that watch, Kendall. It's a present. And the breeze, boys, there's riders coming up the road. Hold on, Clark. Pick up your gun. Hey, you got one. You got him. The 
wounded man clung to his saddle for a few yards, then toppled over, fell to the ground and was still. The others disappeared in a cloud of dust along the road to the west. A moment or two later, a group of horsemen rode up. They were led by an exceedingly tall man wearing a large and rather ornate badge. Which way did they go? Hey, they went that way. They, they took killed the hair cow one. He's lying Everything right over the eye. I have. You must get it. Clear me on the boards. Get after him. We do that, Sheriff. You uh, recognize any of them, Devin? No. Must be new around here, Sheriff. I never did see him before. I figure I've been held up by most of the hold-up men in the territory. All right, let's take a look at that fellow you shot. Lucky few gents, we came along. Very lucky. Sure hope your boys catch up with them. Don't worry, we'll get them. Hmm. Well, that's the last roundup for this outlaw. Plumb through the head. Nice shooting, mister. Well, let's get that mask off. Uh, any of you ever see him before? I told you. No, I, no. No papers. I didn't think there would be. Well, I guess you gents can go on your way. I'll be obliged if you'll stop by my office in Laramie and make out a report of what was taken. Dean Parker. Will Harper. Hey, uh, you're new in Laramie, ain't you, Sheriff? Sure? Yep. Just took over last month. Aim to do some cleaning up. You got no worries. We'll have your valuables back by tonight. The sheriff followed his posse. We went on to Laramie. On our arrival, Mr. Barnaby went off with a severe-looking woman, whom I assumed to be his wife. Thad Clark was kind enough to take me to dinner. Afterwards, we walked down to the sheriff's office. He sat behind his desk, powerful square-jawed, steely-eyed, the picture of an iron-nerved man of the law. At a smaller desk, his discreet deputy was filling out some papers. Harper looked up as we came in, nodded briskly. Evening, gents. Sit down, sit down. Clam, fetch another chair. Yes, sir, Mr. Harper. You caught those fellas, huh? We trailed them, all right. Make yourself come. Uh, thank you. I gather that you... Didn't catch them? Well, like I say, we know where they are, just a matter of time. My deputy here, Clem, he's making out the report right now. I better get back to it, Clem. Yes, sir, Mr. Harper. Now, uh, you uh, want to give me a list of what was stolen? Not much of a list, Sheriff. Just ten sacks of gold dust, about $5,000. You get that, Clem? I sure did, sir. And uh, you, uh, Kendall's the name, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Uh, $20 in my wallet. Uh, Kendall, Kendall, uh, say, aren't you that English newspaper fellow I heard about back in Cheyenne? I'm an English newspaper man, yes. Well, I'm proud, mighty proud. I reckon you'll be writing all this up for your paper. I imagine I will. Good, good, and you'll get a chance to see how we take care of bad men in Laramie. Things are going to be different around here. I'd admire to have you stick around, Kendall. We've got new methods, scientific, like they've been using in the East. That's fine, but what about my goal? Those hold-up boys must be in Colorado by now. <laughs> you hear that, Clint? <laughs> I sure did, sir. That's a funny one, right? It's funny. <laughs> I'll tell you where they are, gents. Right this minute, I can put my finger on them. But I'm going to wait for morning. 
They're holed up in the Centennial Mine diggings about 30 miles west of here. That's where we traveled them, isn't it, Clem? That's the place, sir. We got four men watching right this minute. Kendall, how'd you like to ride out with me in the morning and uh, watch us pull in a bunch of outlaws? Well, it'd be very interesting, Sheriff. Oh, this will be just about the most important story you've ever written. And I'll be glad to help you make your name, Kendall. Ah, uh, well, well, that's awfully kind of you. Sheriff! Oh, Sheriff! I've seen one of them. Maybe two. Maybe all of them. Well, now, now, easy, partner. I, I tell you, they're down at Lazy Kate's saloon. Them same fellas did the hole up this afternoon. No, no. Driver, it can't be. We know where they are. We sure do, mister. Up in Centennial. And they came back to Laramie. I recognize a voice. Now, now, voices can fool you. Take my word. We got them boxed in 30 miles away. It's them. I swear I can pick them out even without the masks. Uh, do you think it might be an idea to go down and have a look, Sheriff? Just in case. Man's an almighty fool not to follow lead. You want I should take the scatter guns, Mr. Harper? Don't see there'll be a need, Clem, if it's them, which I know it isn't. The old peacemakers will do our talking. Yes, sir. Driver, you come and point out your suspects. Clark, you better stay put. All right with me. Just get that gold dust back. That's all I want. Say, I'd rather like to come along, too, if you don't mind, Sheriff. Hmm. You may be a greenhorn, Kendall, but you got guts. Let's go. In a moment, we return to Frontier Gentlemen. CBS newsmen Walter Cronkite and Wells Church have teamed up to bring you a concise but comprehensive nightly report. Sunday through Thursday evening, join us on CBS Radio when it's time for Walter Cronkite and the News. Friday and Saturday night at the same time, hear Wells Church and the News on most of these same stations. Both men are experts on world affairs, and each in his own way makes following the news an exciting adventure. And now we return you to the Anthony Ellis production of Frontier Gentlemen. For the second time that day, I had been apprised of the fact that my guts were organs of some consequence. Once by an outlaw who had stolen my wallet and its contents, and again by an outsized sheriff who wore a diamond-studded badge and carried two tremendous guns low on his hips. The four of us walked down the street. Sheriff Harper, his deputy, whom I only knew as Clem, the stagecoach driver, and myself. We arrived at the Lazy Kate Saloon. It was fairly well crowded, but almost immediately the driver spotted the men in question and pointed them out to us. Two of them, their backs to us, standing at the bar. These the ones. Maybe the other fellas alongside, too. I never did get a good look at them. All right. You better stay here, driver. Kendall, you stay behind Clemens. If you think you recognize the voices, just sing out. You bet I will, Sheriff. Let's go, Clemens. I don't say she can't do the job, but I'll ride along with old Colt 44. Now, that's for sure. That there's one sweet piece of artillery. I beg your pardon, uh, gentlemen. What? Haven't we met before? You talking to me, mister? That's right. This the man, Kendall? It's his voice. Looks like him. The other chap's the one he called C.D. Oh, Chef, is there something wrong? What's your name, mister? Fred Cole. You? Sylvester. Noah Sylvester. Who are these other boys? Who, them? I don't know. 
I never saw him before tonight. All right, keep your hands on the bar, gents. Sheriff, we're supposed to have done something? A slight matter of a hold-up this a afternoon. A hold-up? Us? Search him, Clem. Watch out for a belly gun. Yes, sir, Mr. Harper. But, <clears throat> mister, you got the wrong man. Me and Noel, we ain't no leather slap. No. <laughs> Shucks, I don't even carry a gun. Me neither. You're clean, Sheriff. For sure we're clean. <laughs> you got us mistook for two other fellas, mister. I don't think so. I'm taking you both in. The stagecoach driver identified you as well. If it's a mistake, you got nothing to worry about. If it isn't, there'll be empty saddles for you and Misty beyond. Let's go. We took them back to the sheriff's office and they were locked up, protesting rather mildly and seemingly quite unworried. I could see that their manner had a profound effect on Harper. He must have felt that in my eyes his reputation was at stake. Unequivocally, he had stated that the hold-up men were trapped 30 miles away in the mine shafts of Centennial. Now, three of the victims had identified the ringleaders under his very nose in Laramie. He must have found it rather awkward, because after an hour or so of questioning, he faced Clark, the driver, and me, and said, Gentlemen, I've questioned those boys in there for better than an hour. I reckon I know men as well as the next man, maybe some better. And I'll see here and now that those fellas are innocent. They're not. Listen, I know those voices anywhere. I know how you feel. But in the morning when we bring the outlaws in, you'll thank me. And you won't have it on your conscience that two innocent cowpunches were unjustly locked up. In other words, you're going to release these men? Well, that's about the size of it, Kendall. In spite of the fact that all three of us know their voices, we couldn't all be wrong. Even so, you're going to let them go? Well, now, Kendall, this is a matter of law. They got nothing on them, shows they took any of your valuables. You identify a voice, but not a face, and that isn't going to stand up in court. Besides, there isn't much I don't know when it comes to following signs. That sure is so. Sheriff used to be a scout for Colonel Custer. Those uh, hold-up men never double back to Laramie. You can take my word for it. Uh, would, there, would there be any harm in holding these chaps at least until you bring in the others in the morning? Well... A- at least on suspicion. Kendall, I wouldn't want you writing in your paper that the sheriff of Laramie took the law in his own hands. I've got a mighty big job to do in this town, mighty big. You're worrying about your job in his newspaper. I'm worrying about my $5,000 they robbed off me. Well, I guess I could hold them till morning. I could do that. That's all we want. You know, ever since I seen that big fella without his mask, I got a feeling. What sort of a feeling, driver? Incidentally, what is your name? Driver? Elwood Driver. <laughs> kind of get you, don't it? Me being a stagecoach driver and all. Driver! Well, anyways, about that fella, I, I keep thinking maybe I seen him somewhere. Where? I don't hey, know. Hey, Sheriff. Yeah? What do you want, Cole? Me and Sylvester, we was wondering, how about some grub? Sure. Clem, go across the eatery and get them to rustle up some grub for the boys. Sure will, Mr. Harper. I guess I'll check in at a hotel and get some shut-eye. You can share my room if you want, Kendall. Well, thank you. As a matter of fact, I hey, was... Chef. Yeah? Well, me and Sylvester, we just thought of something. Maybe we can prove that we ain't the fellas you're looking for.
All right, cool. Speak your piece. Well, now, these fellas, they say they was held up about ten miles outside of Laramie. That's right. And what time? Sixish. Yeah, what I tell you, Fred. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, Sylvester, he remembers these folks who could tell you we was right here in Laramie all afternoon and about sixish. Now, if that's so, we couldn't be in two places to once, could we? That's for sure. Now, that's for sure. You'll have to admit that, Chef. Well, who are your witnesses, boys? Three fellows down to the Sherman Hotel. We were playing billiard, drinking beer with them. I, I, I don't recollect their last names. See, there was a, a Jim... Jim... Jim Hankers. Jim Hankers, Hankers, that was. Yeah. And then Zach... And Zach and a brother of his, uh, uh, Jake. That's right. You go ask for them, Sheriff. They'll tell you. Well, you'll find I'm a fair man, boys. If you're telling the truth, I'll be fair with you. I knew you'd give us a square deal, Sheriff. Quite convenient, isn't it? What? Those three witnesses popping up. Might be so, Kendall. Man's innocent till proved guilty. That's the law. Yeah, but there was six of them in the holdup. Kendall plugged one. That leaves five. Two you got in there, the other three down the Sherman Hotel. My thoughts exactly. You just saying that five outlaws doubled back on me? You reckon I lost the trail of five men? You reckon they'd all be fool enough to come into Laramie after a daylight holdup? They might be smart enough to. Mr. Kendall, that's a mighty big paper you write for. And I guess you do a real fine job. But you're no lawman. I be impatient with you, gents, because I felt sorry for you. But I'm the Uh, sheriff of Laramie. And from here on in, I'm going to have to run things my way. Sheriff, it's... Soon as Clem gets back, I'm walking down to the Sherman. If I find those boys that Cole and Sylvester say they were with this afternoon, that's all I need to know. You'll free them? That's what I aim to do. It was useless to argue with them. A few minutes later, his deputy, Clem, returned, and Sheriff Harper strode manfully out of his office. Driver and Clark left a moment afterward as they were beaten men and were going to the nearest saloon to get drunk. I decided to stay. I had to see what I knew was going to happen. A half an hour later, he came back. One look at the smile on his face told me all I needed to know. Clem, unlock the cell. Yes, sir, Mr. Harper. Why, you found them? Yeah. Well, uh, just as a matter of curiosity, Sheriff, if they were lying, would you have known it? Yeah, I'd know it. That's why I'm sheriff. Come on out, boys. You found them, huh, Sheriff? And they told you where we was. I owe you gents an apology. Oh, now, that ain't necessary, Sheriff. You was only doing your duty. Well, it's mighty large of you to take it that way. Fred, I guess we'll be on our way, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, say, uh, Mr. Kendall. Uh, that there's a right handsome watch you're wearing, Mr. Kendall. But I don't suppose you'd want to part with it. Well, uh, so long. Real Ooh. nice knowing you, Sheriff. Yeah, so long, Sheriff. So long, yeah. Clem. So he, long. He's, he's the same one. It's I tell you, Sheriff. all right, Kendall. Now, wait a you minute, Sheriff. He take is it the, easy. He's the... It's all Mr. right. Mr. Harper. Oh. Mr. Harper. You know, I... I was just looking through these wanted posters that come in in the morning mail. Yeah. Now, now there's one picture here. Uh. The fellow's got a kind of familiar face. Here, here. You see? Well, 
Jesse James, $5,000 reward for the capture, dead or alive. Sheriff! Kendall! I remember. I remember where I seen that fella. He's Jesse James. That's who? Jesse James. Look, you hear what I'm saying? Jesse James! Jesse James? Uh, Mr. James just left, Sheriff. I don't think he'll be back. This time, Jesse James left Laramie for good, followed a day later by Sheriff Will Harper and his inestimable deputy, Clem. The irate citizens of Laramie gave them quite a send-off. As to how I recovered my $20 and Thad Clark at least a part of his gold is a story I shall telegraph next week. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Ted DeCorsia, Harry Bartell, Lawrence Dobkin, Jack Moyles, Vic Perrin, and Stacey Harris. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Bud Sewell speaking. <laughs>